Welcome to GPD's podcast series in beta, where we ask the big questions about human rights in the digital age. In this episode, we're looking at cybercrime. But first, what does this word even mean? It's often misunderstood. Most people would say cybercrime is something like a hack, ransomware or a virus, or the theft of personal data. In other words, crimes which are specific to the digital environment and involve interference with computer systems in some way. In fact, cybercrime in legal terms has become much broader in its application. Since the Budapest Convention was passed in 2001, several states have introduced laws under the guise of fighting cybercrime, which criminalise free expression, censor websites and expand surveillance. So cybercrime is something human rights need to be paying attention to. But this is easier said than done. There's often a lot of resistance from governments to opening up policymaking processes around cybercrime to input from other stakeholders because it's seen as a law enforcement or security issue. So today we're going to be posing the question, how should human rights defenders approach cybercrime? And to discuss it with me, I'm delighted to welcome Alice Munya. Alice is the founder of the Kenya ICT Action Network, Kiktonet, an advisor to the African Union Commission. She's currently leading a range of public policy initiatives involving a project in cybercrime and women in Kenya, and Alice also sits on GPD's advisory board. Alice, welcome. I understand that you've just hosted an event on cybercrime. Yes, uh, as mentioned, I work with the African Union Commission, and I represent the African Union Commission on the Governmental Advisory Committee Internet uh, of the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. Now, uh, on the GAC, as we call it, it's an acronym for the Government Advisory Committee, I chair two uh, working groups. One of them is the Underserved Regions Working Group and another is the Public Safety uh, Working Group. Now, the Public Safety Working Group brings together law enforcement agencies from across the world. Uh, and one of the things we realized is that while the, 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 the Public Safety Working Group is meant to bring together law enforcement agencies from across the world, a huge chunk of the world is missing. Uh, and so around, more or less around the concerns of diversity, uh, we decided that we needed to understand why we didn't have law enforcement agencies from what we call underserved regions, and that's the Africa region, Asia-Pacific, uh, South America, the Caribbean, and small island states. And so as chair of the underserved regions working group, what, I de what we decided to do was to um, first have a capacity building workshop to understand what the challenges were. And the first one was held in, in the Africa region and in Nairobi recently, two weeks ago. And so we brought uh, law enforcement agencies from across Africa, from Ghana, South Africa, Somalia, South Sudan, from all over, about 25 law enforcement agencies, uh, together with their own, their peers from the more developed countries, the United States, Canada, Europe, and, and, and others. Very successful and focused although it focused mainly on uh, security issues to do with the domain name service, the DNS, uh, and uh, addressing and, and naming, we on the second day, we, f we felt that uh, the internet was much bigger than the DNS uh, and the numbers and names. And so we invited other uh, participants and other organizations from other stakeholders, the private sector, civil society, and, and in including uh, human rights defenders, to join in and discuss the issue of cybercrime because of the realization, at least my personal realization, that uh, cybercrime is a much broader issue and a an important issue that no stakeholder can uh, approach on its own, and especially government. 
Uh, and so it's through that collaborative effort. And here I'm using the work collaborative. I'm stealing it from the Internet Society that has come up with, with that, Absolutely. Yeah, work, that concept. So collaborative security, uh, bringing everyone together to understand first how the Internet works. Uh, so you invited the Internet Society to, uh, to speak a little bit about the work of the Internet Engineering Task Force to make everybody, and especially law enforcement and civil society, understand that the Internet is much, much broader than just Facebook or Twitter uh, because, you know, most of our governments, including law enforcement, tend to focus on, uh, as you mentioned at the beginning, they look at cybercrime and immediately go to social uh, networks, you know. Um, and so that was the whole idea, to first understand what the challenges were uh, in involving uh, law enforcement agencies from all other regions, and specifically the Africa region, uh, and then to bring them together with their peers and to ensure that we were looking at it from a collaborative perspective, so bringing uh, industry, uh, the private sector, academic, the academic uh, sector, the legal sector as well. We had uh, lawyers from you know across the African continent uh, and civil society. So we had very interesting discussions around that, around some of the challenges and some some lessons learned from the more developed countries. Fantastic! It sounds like a really fruitful, fruitful conversation. It was great, and and one that's quite rare. Um, yes. it's, it seems that getting those uh, stakeholders together in the same room is is, is quite an opportunity. Um, it was the first one. And was that was that a challenge uh, for you um, in, in yeah, doing so? Yeah, it was a challenge. It was the very first one actually ever to have uh, for Icon to have had such an event. It was mm-hmm. the first ever. Uh, so it was, and it was a great success. While at the same time, challenging. What was challenging? was, uh, again, respond to the question, uh, was, you know, most governments not understanding why they actually need to be in the same room with with, uh, with civil society, for example. They could understand why Facebook was there or Google or the GSMA because the GSMA represents the mobile uh, sector. Mm-hmm. But for civil society, they still don't, don't get it, They you know, uh, and, and most of our governments really don't get it the role of civil society. And I don't even think civil society themselves get understand their role Absolutely. Uh, in, 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 uh, in, in, the, in cybercrime itself in, in addressing cybercrime and in the new frameworks and strategies that are being developed by government and the private sector. So that's all, all in itself is a challenge. If civil society themselves don't understand why they should be uh, on the table, Mm-hmm. Uh, then you don't expect governments to understand, to even understand, or invite civil society to be on this on the table when they're developing these strategies. So that was my biggest challenge: is bringing all of these people together, uh, and especially civil society on the table, and for them to actually discuss in a, in a, in a, to understand where governments are coming from, to understand why there's a, already a very strong relationship between governments and private sector, uh, and then to perhaps. Uh, uh, carve them their own space or, or understand that they do have a role and bring that to the table. Uh, and that's why I'm, I'm pleased that the Global Partners D- Digital is beginning to think about uh, um, the, building the capacity of civil society to understand that. Absolutely. That they do have a role. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's it's absolutely right to understand, you know, what what you would bring and what would be what would be the motivation of the actors that you're working yeah. with within the, in that room. Was there were there particular points uh, where you saw that those sort of light bulbs uh, connect and sort of the the civil society and government representatives understand why they were in the same room? Or were there were there particular takeaways that you think were, were fruitful to learn from for future events? Yeah, I think one of the most uh, you know poignant moment for me was uh, when 
quite a number of the young lawyers, those who, I mean, because you understand why they are young, because they've grown up with the internet. Absolutely. Uh, started bringing up the issues of data protection and privacy. Great. Uh, you know, when law enforcement agencies began talking about, talking with, for example, the regional internet registries, RIPE NCC and Afrinic, and saying, okay, um, let, can you, can you, at least give us, if you're not able to give us clean who is data, so that we are able to find out who owns that IP address or who owns that uh, the domain name um, from the two, from ICANN and from uh, uh, the African, there was RIPE NCC as well. Um, and one of the things that the, the you know, civil society, most of them, you know, represented by, by, by lawyers, began to ask, but then why, you know... Th- Law enforcement getting extremely frustrated that Afrinic or RIPE NCC is not able to tell them exactly who owns that. Mm-hmm. They're only able to tell you that we've given, we allocated this block of IP addresses to a certain uh, ISP. So you have to go to that ISP and find out who owns that IP. And even that doesn't really give you um, the correct path. I mean, that doesn't really you know, automatically or, you know, um, correctly identify mm-hmm. the real owner or the individual behind that, uh, perhaps an attack or, you know, a crime mm-hmm. uh, used, you know, cre- you know, using that IP address. So I could see the frustration from law enforcement and from government. And then I could see the concerns by, uh, by civil society and I could see them beginning to see, oh my God, you mean they could do that? L- you know, law enforcement mm-hmm. could literally go to an ISP and request, you know, even, even with a court order, you know, so then they began to actually ask those questions about, you know, the issue of privacy and, and data protection, you know, how and how the government will then, you know, balance those two when they're developing uh, policy, because then that is then trans- translated and law enforcement has to take that and implement that. So it's, I think that's when I began to see civil society beginning to see, okay, we do have a role and we have to engage with this. Otherwise, it's not just going to be, you know, civil society, but you know, at my at a personal level as a civil society actor, it's going to impact uh, my own life. Absolutely. You know, so that it's at, at that moment I began to see them, you know, beginning to understand their role much more clearly. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's really interesting to see those sort of those things coming together. And and for it gives a really good example of what we've been talking about for many years of, sort of having the right actors at the table at the, at the right at the right points when particular policies or laws are being developed. We need to make sure that the different actors and different interests are brought together and are discussed and debated in a way that sort of protects and promotes human rights, but also the public interest um at large yeah, yeah um but just to sort of take us up one level i mean this we've gone down a very very particular route here um and i just wanted to really understand a bit more about the very unique opportunity that you had but but coming back to uh, sort of give us a sort of a bit more of a bird's eye view there's this is a new sort of field um mm-hmm. a, a new uh, sort of area that's been developed um, and, and and very rapidly as sort of technology advances and moves things forward at a, a pace where uh, policy solutions aren't always able to keep up to date. Um, I'd like to just sort of get a sort of sense for everyone at home, sort of what are the sort of key developments um, and trends that you're seeing um, in cybercrime and things that we should really be putting on our, our agenda um, as human rights defenders? Um, and, and by the way, I'm not a, a law enforcement agent myself. Of course. So, uh, <laughs> so you have to understand that from that perspective that I'm also learning. Um, and and my role here has mainly been to uh, you know first obviously to chair um, a, a very 
effective and efficient and very hardworking uh, working group, the Public Safety Working Group. And also, really, I've been really privileged to be working with law enforcement and begin to understand where they're coming from. You know, uh, and specifically, you know, the more global one, Interpol and, and Europol on the other. Uh, and then, by extension, listening to the private sector and those organizations that are involved in cybercrime themselves, for example, Symantec and, and others. Yeah. Um, and they, 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 what they've done is they, they, they continuously give us a bad view of what, what's coming up and, and what are the new areas that we're likely to be experiencing cybercrime. And, and one of them is uh, that I've learned, you know, you know, d- we've always known this, you know, data breaches. Breaches is one of the biggest mm-hmm. ones. But they're not talking about what they call integrity attacks, where, you know, according to them, um, they say that it's when the attacker deliberately uh, modifies the data they gain access, access to, um, you know, and with stealth and very, very selective uh, um, uh, can be you know can be more damage, damaging and what they do is they make off with vast sensitive amounts of um, of data mm-hmm. uh, focus very carefully on changing that data uh, you know um, especially particularly elements of it for example bank transactions changing that really uh, you know communications well, yeah. uh, and and uh, so so and and then finally exposing that. So, and they're calling that integrity attacks when, you know, they steal your data and completely change it. And then ransomware. I mean, and that has been on for quite a while. By, but what they're saying is that it's going to, you know, to be more um, targeted at, at en- enterprises uh, and with new methods uh, and especially, especially exploiting uh, vulnerable web servers as entry points. So they're saying that's going to, to, to be, you know, the new thing. It's, ransomware is going to continue, but, you know, it's going to be more focused. Um, and then we're talking about the Internet of Things or the Internet of Everything uh, that, that we, we, I think, continue to emerge with uh, new in, innovation, and, and especially in regions where um, most of us are accessing the Internet for the first time, for example, the Africa region or, or the so-called underserved regions where we're accessing, you know, are the internet using you know our mobile devices? Mm-hmm. That's that's actually going to be the next area where we're going to be to see cybercrime, uh, you know, attacks through um, smart devices, um, and and again you know through connected uh, you know con- you know connected cars, connected everything, connected fridges, connected you know. You know, Absolutely. When your so, when your toaster is exactly. hacking your fridge, well, uh, yeah. So that's that, that's that's the new trend they're talking about. Great. Uh, and they're going to be making you know uh, taking advantage of security flaws and uh, vulnerabilities and and all of that. Um, and another area is wearable wearables. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these stuff, Fitbits, you can you notice I never wear the one because I've always been really suspicious. Of, <laughs> you know, of who has access to that Absolutely, data yeah. and what are they doing with it in a, in, and in a way we make fun uh, of some of us like we actually do behave like law enforcement you'll never see a law enforcement person wearing that stuff because they're like how do you know who accesses that data and who use uh, and how is it used um and another area where i think i've had somebody from facebook talking about using drones to provide wi-fi mm-hmm. that's going to be and especially for example in developing developing countries uh, and and i think kenya is going to be one of the the areas that i think facebook and other organizations are going to be uh, using as pilots uh we're probably likely to see you know people using specific you know um software to steal personal data mm-hmm. uh where wi-fi is being provided by drones 
you know, so that's going to be another area. And and what, if we don't watch out, what might be devastating with that is because you're providing internet to people who haven't in the past have had, have had access. Absolutely. So we're talking yeah. about connecting the unconnected. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. you've, at the same time, the, you know, the cyber criminals mm-hmm. are accessing the, that data. Then it becomes something that we, we, from a civil society perspective, we have to be quite careful and on top of that as well. Uh, because the civil society, that's what we've been talking about for the longest time, the issue of affordable universal access. Mm-hmm. But then what we haven't done is uh, connected that discourse with, you know, the area of, uh, you know, security and ensuring that, you know, while we are trying, working so hard to connect the so-called unconnected on the ne- or the next billion, we are also ensuring that there's digital education and awareness to be able to protect ourselves from any cyber attack. So that's, that's you know, and I'm combining two things at the same time yes, here. Yes, yeah, of course. You know, so that's going to be, you know, the, the new area that we have to be careful about, both, and, and all stakeholders, not just civil society, it's government and uh, the private sector as well. Absolutely. It's a, it's a very challenging space yes, uh, to be in. challenging, but also quite quite interesting. Yeah, yeah for sure, yeah. for sure. But you've, sort of, you've touched on some really interesting points around the sort of the shift from uh, cybercrime about sort of um, the availability, but the integrity of information, yeah. how people are, are changing the way in which they're interacting with that and what, what, what uh, the crime sort of elements are, are moving into a different space, but also this sort of t- uh, coupled with increasing access, um, the increasing move from sort of a web-based version of the internet to a device-based yeah. version of the internet. So there's some significant challenges and obstacles for, for human rights defenders to, mm. to, to get into this uh, into this space and, 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 and engage in it. Um, how, how can one prepare? What would be your sort of your, your key sort of takeaways or key points for, for someone listening to this to sort of think about how they might start to engage or where they might start to engage? Um, in these debates, um, you mean a civil society? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's what the Global Partners Digital is doing is uh, by fast, really sitting back and understanding where every stakeholder is coming from, because, for example, the go- for governments, when it's to understand that wherever governments are there, they are always going to be uh, coming up with politically defensible positions. I keep saying that. And one civil society understands that, that if I'm a government or a, or a politician or a minister for that for that matter, uh, whatever I, I, I come up with, whether it's a policy framework or mm. ways of, of addressing um, some, you know, sort of challenges, it's always going to come from that perspective, from public perspective, from a perspective that, that is politically defensible. So once civil society understands that, then they're able to engage with government to be able to see, you understand that and then understand how you can help government. So rather than fighting is how to provide and also understanding that, well, I could be law enforcement or, you know, our minister or working in the in the, in the the public sector. I don't know everything. Uh, I work for the public sector and I still don't know everything. You know, and so for me, I think the best thing would be, and civil society seems to have that base, that intellectual base. Absolutely. Uh, because, yeah. you know, because you've got the academic sector and all of that, that really takes a lot of time in researching and studying some of these uh, situations and, and challenges. And so providing that, uh, and that's why this capacity building workshop was actually quite important, is bringing that sector, civil society, and the, and, and the lawyers and the academics as well. So they can then, and, and the, te- the technical community, uh, it was quite important to hear from ITF telling the, the for, for example, the law enforcement agents that the, the internet is not Facebook. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the, if you removed Facebook, you removed the DNS mm-hmm. that is managed by by Icon. Um, the internet will still continue to be there, and so you, we are probably focusing on the wrong thing. Okay, it's important to focus on that, but I think we have to have a very broad approach uh, to uh, to how we are dealing with cybercrime, uh, and it's understanding that just um, you know, uh, fighting Facebook for takedown requests is not that's not really that's cybersecurity, Absolutely. and it's not cybercrime, and so. For civil society, what we need to understand, or we also need to understand from that perspective, we need to understand how government thinks and how government is going to be reacting to cybercrime, to understand where the private sector is coming from, because they're going to be, uh, their main interest is uh, to protect their businesses, to protect their integrity, so that by extension, their names and their businesses and, and money. Uh, for law enforcement, it's to protect citizens, because it's part of you know what they're, they're, they're supposed to be doing. And then to also understand where the technical community is coming from. And I think that's, again, a key challenge that civil, of civil society is that we don't... Civil society doesn't take their time to, to, or, or to, to really, you know, get the... You know, to, to come up with a well-rounded understanding of how the internet works. We tend to focus so much on just, say, say human rights. But you don't, you don't... You're not looking at human rights and saying, okay, so that, how does that then... How do I... Uh, you know, look at or engage with an organization like the Internet Engineering Task Force from a human rights perspective as they're developing all these protocols and standards. Absolutely. Uh, they may be doing it, yes, uh, mm-hmm. against surveillance, for example, post-Snowden, so they come up with all of these uh, standards and protocols that, you know, that make it more difficult for governments to surveil citizens. But then civil society is not there to say, okay, so if, they, if you're making that, you're making that possible, but then how... How do I protect myself myself from crime? So I think it's it's really a delicate ba- balance here for civil society because you're you're called to understand all the stakeholders, mm-hmm. you know, and to be able to engage with them, mm-hmm. you know, from that perspective. I think we're the only group that is able to do that because government cannot encroach into private sector. Neither can private sector become government, you know. So it's only civil society that can engage with all stakeholders, and that's why we have the. I think the biggest or the largest responsibility here. Fantastic. Yeah. And that's really interesting. And I think that the the sort of the the lessons that we learned from from your session um, with us previously and and, and from the, from this dialogue is you know, really understanding the motivations yes. of the actors, of the, um, the different and actors. and the different the levels that the different actors are working at, and and, and what sort of role they play mm-hmm. uh, in 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 the internet. Um, and, and the internet infrastructure. Yeah. Um, and then just thinking of you in in, in your in your hats with your hat on um, the African uh, Union Commission. Um, what would be if you if you were to engage or someone from from civil society was to come in and, and engage with you? What would you want from them? What would be the way in which they could you know most effectively work with you and, and support your work um, and bring their points across to you? Um, oh, there are several ways. Uh, You've got, uh, you know, when when I look at, I mean, the definition of civil society is, uh, of course, as, yeah. as you know, as my, my pal from Kicktonet says, Gigi, is anyone who's not government? <laughs> and that, and she keeps saying, and, and so the private sector and everybody else is civil society. But anyway, uh, to go back to, to, to that question is how I would engage with them is, or what I would expect is you you there's a lot of research that that you do that doesn't you that the civil society is not able to share mm-hmm. and i think that 
is important. Okay. So all of this work, like the podcast we're doing and, you know, all the work that you've done, you, you know, developed a lot of research material and uh, uh, mm-hmm. and that doesn't really get to, to, to people like us. I mean, it gets to me because I know you. Of course. But it doesn't get to, for example, those who are holding the pen, writing the African Union con, you know, Convention on Cybercrime and, uh, and, and Data Protection. Absolutely, yeah. And then when we come back, you know, and then when civil society is called to com- to comment on it, civil society then begins to say, "Oh, but that's not, you know, that's not possible. That's you know, that's not sustainable, or this is not implementable." Um, you hear the lawyer saying, "Well, how do you implement that? You know, while you have a constitution, you know, in in, in every country." And so, what's important as for for the African from an African Union perspective is that civil society begins to engage with me mm-hmm. from the onset, absolutely from an earlier stage, from an early stage, yeah. Um, and so, for example, for this workshop, I reached out to civil society and said, you have to be there in that room to be able to engage with law enforcement uh, to begin with so that they can see that you, you know, that civil society uh, are an important stakeholder. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of uh, knowledge that that you all have first because you represent the users, as we call them. I don't like that word, but you represent, you know, civil society, which means citizens generally. You know, and so you have a lot of information that we could, that, that, you know, that we could use. Secondly, you act as a bridge, for example, between, you know, with, for example, the social networks and and us. So, so you're able to come back and tell us this is what this is what's going on. Um, there's a lot of um, abuse going on on social networks, and this is how to go about it. Or, or in most often, uh, you're the ones who comes comes back and says, okay, well. Uh, it's you. It's going to be very hard to implement, for example, that convention unless you provide guidelines uh, for for the different member states to be able to do that. Uh, so it can be right. It cannot be ratified at the national level for these reasons. For example, for Kenya, for the following reasons, you know, the Kenyan government cannot ratify anything until unless it's 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 held a multi-stakeholder discussion. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I would engage with civil society from the you know from you know inviting them to the table from the onset. Uh, sometimes literally telling them, you know, um, asking for guidance from them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I would go that far. Absolutely. No, it's really, it's really interesting to see that, you know, here, most of your comments about being um, earlier stages of engagement are really, really important, but really bringing a a practical and pragmatic um, sort of uh, approach uh, to your engagement to say, you know, to be supportive and constructive, um, but making sure that the right points are raised at the right stages, yeah. so the process is, is is as easy as possible for exactly. everyone. Yeah, it um, makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Well, thanks, Alice. Um, unfortunately, that brings us to the end of our podcast. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in learning more about these issues, um, please visit the GPD website, where we have a number of useful resources for human rights defenders, including the ones that we use for the training, which Alice was a part of. Um, and be sure to follow GPD to hear more about the next instalment of InBeta. Until next time, thank you. Thank you.